Hello and welcome to episode 41 of The Worst Critics. I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pina. And we're here to talk to you about the latest and sometimes not so greatest in movies, music, television, and more. Let's get on with it. Our first piece of news, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 has cast Idris Elba as Knuckles, the Echidna. Uh, it was originally rumored that it was Jason Momoa. I think we reported on that two months ago or so, but uh, I'll take Idris Elba, you know, I- I'm not opposed to this. The only reason I'm opposed to it is why the fuck is Idris Elba in like a shitty sequel to a shitty fucking live action of a shitty character? Like, you know what I mean? Like, Knuckles is the coolest of Sonic franchise, but Idris Elba is. Whoa, 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 whoa. No one's cooler or edgier than Shadow the Hedgehog, okay? Man has a machine gun and a Harley (laughs) Davidson. You cannot beat it. (laughs) Knuckles just bows in comparison. Uh, You know, I mean, if I had the chance to voice a a uh, beloved character like that, especially Knuckles, who's just kind of the brooding grunt or, you know, the, the muscles of the group. I, the Knuckles, if you will. Yeah, the, the Knuckles, Knuckles of the yeah, group. Thank you. <laughs> if I was paid, you know, a couple million dollars, I'd have a hard time saying no. So, uh, of course, I mean, yeah. yeah, I'm just, does he need a couple million more dollars? Like, is he that strapped for cash? Okay. Well. It's probably just a fun ride. It's voice recording too. So it's not like he's even gonna like, yeah, it's not even real work. I mean, <laughs> okay, it's not as taxing as his usual right, right, work, right. I would say. Uh, moving on to some anti-casting news. Uh, the new Powerpuff CW pilot has lost its uh, bubbles, I think, in Chloe Bennett. She has recently exited the show. There's no real reason why. She just dropped out due to her own accord and... It seems like that show may never come on TV. I, I think it had, what, two pilots that were filmed, and we talked about how neither one was picked up by CW, but the show is still coming. And I don't know, if your show is bad enough for CW executives to say, nah, we're good, but then, you know, have shows like The 100 and... uh Riverdale, isn't that a CW show? I'm pretty sure that's a CW show. Yeah, but Riverdale's like one of the most watched TV shows of all time. So as shit as it is. That's what I'm saying. And Powerpuff Girls couldn't even do that. Like, they couldn't bring that to the table. <laughs> I don't know. That that must be just a train wreck. And I can't wait to see it when it finally comes out. <laughs> like, I'm definitely going to watch the pilot. Yeah, moving on to uh, Wes Anderson's new movie that we talked about last week. It added uh, Tom Hanks, I believe, has added Margot Robbie to the cast. Not really surprising. I think this is Margot Robbie's first Wes Anderson movie. But I think she was in uh, the Royal Tenenbaums, maybe. Really? Are you sure? I, I could totally be wrong about it. Let me look it up. Yeah, I, I need Tenenbaums. some background info. Uh, maybe not. I swore I saw that somewhere in an article. I mean, she might have been in some recent one. What? He hasn't done one since Isle of the Dog, right? Or Isle of the Dogs? I'm not sure she's been, you know, on everybody's radar since Wes Anderson's last live action going or, you know, showing, whatever. But uh, oh, I guess I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to casting for Killers of the Flower Moon. Pretty familiar news we've got here this week. Uh, John Lithgow has joined the cast along with who we talked about last week. Brendan Fraser, Jesse Plemons, Leonardo DiCaprio. It's a Scorsese's new movie. So adding John Lithgow. Whatever, AKA great actor. Trinity Killer, you know? Yeah, hey, I mean, Lord Farquaad, okay? You know, that's how he's really going to be known by <laughs> Uh Moving on to some more, John Wick 4 has cast Clancy Brown. We've talked about how this cast has been stacking up pretty well, and I think that movie's just now entering shooting and principal photography, all that. Um, Clancy Brown, I mean, you don't really have to say much. He's recently on Billions. Great voice actor. Uh, I don't know. He's been in a thousand things. I think he's on X-Files. For he's got a super recognizable face, too. Yeah, yeah. His voice and his face, you know exactly who it is. But uh, he's joined John Wick 4 as an undisclosed character. And moving on to Indiana Jones 5, has cast Antonio Banderas in a new role. The role is unknown, but uh, sure. You know, I, I don't know the last time I saw Antonio Banderas in a movie, really. I don't I don't. Maybe that's just me personally. I'm not. I'm not seeking out his work per se. Right. But I feel uh, like the last one I can recall from my head is him as Puss in Boots and also the Zorro movies. Yeah. Okay. He's had some after Zorro. <laughs> those movies. are those. Those are the two. Spike is those for the... after Zorro. 
Oh shit, he's in Spy Kids. Yeah, yeah dude. Uh, him and Robert Rodriguez go way back. Uh, he he was pretty good in that uh, direct to Netflix movie Automata, or direct to DVD movie that was on Netflix. Whatever. When that line was right. really blurry, Once Upon a Time. But yeah, you know, I'm excited. Indiana Jones Five. Whatever. It can't be worse than Crystal Skull or Crystal. Yeah, I, Crystal I think it's called Crystal Skull. Okay. Uh, moving on to some new TV and movie announcements. Spider-Man star Jacob Badalone, Badalone has been cast in Sci-Fi's Reginald the Vampire, a dramedy based on Johnny B. Trant's Fat Vampire book series. I don't, I don't know much everybody about it. Any, any, everybody knows Johnny B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Johnny B.'s Fat Vampire series. Everybody knows that series. It's a beloved book. Everybody reads Fat Vampire. It's, it's the best. Uh, I have no idea what this is actually going to be about. I just thought it was interesting that this guy is actually getting roles outside of Spider-Man, which is cool. Uh, I, I always assume that's not like the greatest feeling when you're just stuck in one role for a big movie and then never branch out into anything else or you never get that leading role. But here we go. So uh, Sci-Fi's new show. Here's the, here's the one sentence log line. You ready? When sure. overweight treadmill salesman, salesman Reginald Baskin finally meets a coworker who doesn't make fun of him, it's just his own bad luck that tech guy Maurice turns out to be a 2,000-year-old vampire. Okay. Ah, I guess. Awesome. Yeah, Can't wait. Sure, whatever. Sick. I mean, it, it seems in the same vein of what, <clears throat> of what sci-fi has been doing the last few years with their original programming. They had that uh, Resident Alien with Adam Tudyk playing a... Right. Alien. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So, and then... Uh, Happy, that one show uh, with Chris Maloney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah, floating so, unicorn fairy thing. Yeah, so I mean, it, it, it makes sense that sci-fi would go this direction for a new show. So, did, you, I mean, did you watch the full show of Happy? I watched the first season. I really liked the first season. Uh, the I second think... season is just a lot to get it, to get back into the happy mindset. Uh, yeah. It takes it a lot. So I have I not think, finished season two. Yeah, I won't spoil it, but there is a god, and I feel like maybe we talked about it, but maybe not, but God's played by an interesting actor. And that's okay. awesome. Totally, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm down for that. I, I mean, I need to watch it sometime since it's not it's getting its third season, sadly. No, uh, big canceled. Yeah, big canceled on sci-fi. Like, whatever, whatever, moving on. Dude, they uh, get Reginald the Vampire now, though. Come on. Right, you know, can't <laughs> wait. Uh, Marvel is apparently planning on more animated series and movies uh, based upon the Marvel What If series premiere. A lot of people seem to like it and watch it, so more Marvel animation headed this way. I don't know what, but I'm excited because, I mean, why not? You know, I I don't see a reason not to be. Okay, John? Okay? <laughs> I'm not excited because I don't really like animated things that much, and it's Marvel, so double down on me going, cool. Yeah, 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 there you go. You keep printing money, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> they can't help themselves, Okay. Uh, moving on to a new movie titled The Liar, or sorry, based on Stephen Fry's memoir, The Liar. It will be starring Jeff Goldblum and Austin Butterfield as the main characters. It is described as an LGBTQ coming-of-age spy caper. It seems very... Can it be a memoir? That's what I'm confused. Well, it's, I think it's a like a fictional, he's kind of making fun of his own life kind of thing. Because the, the rest of the synopsis talks about how his professor that's played by Jeff Goldblum might be a spy and he might not be and how he's maybe recruiting also Butterfield and maybe not. So I think it's just him making fun or poking fun at his own life, kind of satirical version of his life. Right. But it's not a, he's not, is he even gay? I don't know. I don't know. Actually, I yeah, I don't yeah know. I'm like, I'm just like, I'm confused how it's even remotely based on. It's like, this is memoir. Memoir is based on your life. And if you're not a spy and you're not gay, how can you make a movie based on your life well, about a gay it's spy? About, it's about a kid in college, I think. So he went, probably went to that college. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't. Whatever. I don't. Uh, I don't really care until the movie actually comes out. Then I'll start judging. Sure. Yeah. sure. Well, yeah. I'm just. I was just confused by the premise. <laughs> I would think Stephen Fry wouldn't write a normal memoir, I guess. No, no, I no, no. So, I don't know, par for the course, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Who's going to play Hugh Laurie? I don't know. If he's. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be in the He's, he's going to be canon, right? Like, they're best buds. That's how it works. I, yeah, totally. <laughs> Hugh, Hugh Laurie's actually going to play younger Hugh Laurie. <laughs> they're yeah. going to de-age him? He, no, no, no. He's just going to be the same age. He's just going to be his friend Hugh Laurie. The, yeah, the Dexter, the Dexter move, the Dexter approach. Yeah, yeah, just give him bangs. Just give him bangs. Yeah. 
<laughs> moving on to a new Blade Runner anime that has been announced and teased by Adult Swim. Uh, it is set to complement the 2049 timeline slash storyline, whatever, since it's the same universe, but it's more in line with 2049. Uh, they had a first trailer. It's 3D animation, so it's kind of whatever, but it looks pretty good, actually, you know? Uh, CG animation isn't my thing, but uh, it, 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 it suffices, I think. Is it going to be one of these like one-season animes, or are they trying to make it like a whole thing? I really hope it's one of these one-season anime. Uh, it, it doesn't look like they're going to do the whole Shonen 10-season thing. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, it, it seems to be a story, a, you know, a right. central right. plot Right, a fixed line. thing, right. Yeah, that they want to do over a long period of time as opposed to a movie or something. Yeah, with, with you know, hopefully an ending. So, yeah, well, uh, that should come out this year. I mean, the trailer just came out, and it probably had a release date, but I probably just didn't notice it because I was skipping through the trailer. Uh, yeah, HBO Max has inked a deal with Robert Rodriguez for his, you know, whatever he makes, and they get first bids or first dibs. Um, I don't know, man. Of all the directors, gets all of A24 and HBO Max gets Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, Netflix got the Obamas and HBO Max gets Robert Rodriguez. I seems good. I don't know. I don't know, guys. I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure if he's your man for this. I I guess his movies still have appeal, but um, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't, don't want to hate on the man too much because you know I respect him for being a director and a craftsman of things, but like. Fuck off. Well, yeah. But whatever. Moving on to some reboot and sequel news. Rachel Weiss is to star in Amazon's reimagining of David Cronenberg's Dead Ringers. Uh, she will be playing twins who are both doctors and trade places whenever, you know, they're in cahoots to do things and carry out whatever they want. Switching places. You get it. You get it. Yeah, uh, I get it. I don't know. I think it's a TV show. I'm pretty sure it's a TV Steve. show. I'm sorry. What? What? <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure it's a TV show. Uh, this is based on, of course, Cronenberg's Dead Ringers, which is an '80s movie, late '80s movie. That I I think is the late '80s. I think I can firmly say that. Uh, but it's actually going to be gender flipped because in the original movie, it was two male gynecologist twins who switch places, and you know, you 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 get it. Uh, Rachel Weisz, we, we just yeah, we we just saw her in Black Widow, so uh, I'm always excited to see her in new things, especially as a lead. I don't feel like she gets a lot of time to shine as leads, or enough time to shine as a lead. But uh, hopefully, we get that. Not sure when it's supposed to come out though, so no word on that. And moving on to a sequel for the movie Chronicle. I'm not sure if you remember this movie with. Little-known stars like Dane DeHaan and Michael B. Jordan and Miles Teller, maybe? Or who's the third one? I don't know. Two out of three got pretty famous. So, uh, yeah, we're getting a sequel to Chronicle. is in the works at 20th Century Studios, which, you know, is the ex-Fox Studios, which is now owned by Disney. Oh, wait, is this the superhero thing? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, found footage superhero. Yeah. I like that movie a lot, actually. Yeah, I mean, it was a good movie. Uh, yeah, this one will be a female-led story that picks up a decade after the events of the original film. I assume it's going to be superpowers, you know? I, I, But at the same time, I wonder how they're going to incorporate how they got superpowers. Because in the first one, it was like this asteroid that gave them superpowers. So are they just going to be like, it hey, it's another what? asteroid. It's an asteroid. Yeah, it was a meteorite that fell Oh, they like, yeah, like they went and... Touched it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Walked and around and woke the... up and they had superpowers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so I, I don't know if we're going to get another meteorite story, but uh, whatever. I'm, 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 I'm down for a Chronicle 2, I guess. Although, I, at the same time, I hope it's not found footage because the first one was and it did it really well. And I really doubt a sequel. Right, that, that it can be remade that well. Exactly. I, I really. Cloverfield style. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the sequel to Cloverfield was awesome because it wasn't found footage. It was, yeah, it was great. Yeah, uh, moving on to some oh, some casting news that I put in the wrong spot. How about that one? For <laughs> a real professional ship we got going here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll okay. have to fire that uh, tech that yeah, assistant yeah. that 
messed that up. He's out of here. He's never doing the news ever again. We want to reassure you we're doing all we can to fix the problem. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, Luis Guzman and Catherine Zeta-Jones have been cast in the new Tim Burton Netflix Wednesday Adams show. They will play Gomez at Gomez Adams and Morticia Adams, respectively. It's about uh, it's about Wednesday Adams attending a place called Nevermore Academy. Blah blah blah. I'm not even going to tell you because it just sounds like Riverdale or Sabrina, but Wednesday Adams. So nice. I'm just impressed by Louise Guzman and Catherine Zeta Jones. It's weird that you'd get those two names for just side characters because it's not an Adams family reboot. I don't know. I feel like. Luis Guzman is not, I mean. I think he could be a great uh, Gomez, like, in a, like you know, in an actual Adams Family movie. But uh, without an actual, you know, without the actual Adams Family behind it all, it's kind of weird to just have them pop in as Gomez every episode or two. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Jenna Ortega will play Wednesday. Netflix won the bidding war for it back in February. I don't really care. I'm sure I might watch it when it comes out next year. It's being the production's being fast tracked. That's all you need to know. Uh, moving on to some renewals and cancellations. Hulu has announced that a 13 episode second season of Animaniacs will arrive Hype. on will arrive on November 5th this year. Hi, such uh, a good reboot. I'm so happy about it. Yeah, if, I binged them all that first day. If you recall from a few episodes or like ten episodes ago, uh, John raved over Animaniacs. And There's no way it was ten episodes ago. It was. That was like 2020. That was like was it last. Yeah, December? it was like November or December. Yeah. Yeah, it was a while ago. Whatever. John really liked Animaniacs. We're getting a second season, November 5th. I assume Spielberg's still producing, and they're still they still got the whole studio and whatnot. Um, so expect more of that. And HBO has renewed their new show, The White Lotus, for White Lotus for a season two. It is a new show about some resort where mysterious things happen. You know the gist. And this Classic. new season, yeah, this new season will follow a new group of people or a new group of residents. New story, I guess, or maybe it carries over a little bit. I haven't watched the show. I just know, you know, it's getting a season two. And moving on to the new hosts of Jeopardy have been announced this week. Uh, the new hosts will be Mike Richards and Mayim Bialik. They will trade places or they will share the hosting responsibilities. So I'm not sure if it's one it's, off uh, day. So, so Mike Richards, he's going to take over the main daily show. And then um, Bialik is going to do spinoffs and like special premieres or like, you know, like tournament of champion style special episodes and then spin off things. That doesn't sound the same as hosts. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I right, right. No, I agree. But from that's what how I it's read, work. It, it, it sounded like they were splitting the hosting duties, but that doesn't. No, sound... it's Mike Richards is the host, yeah. and then she's getting her own Jeopardy kind of shtick, and then she'll come in and host on special occasions when they need a big name, I guess. That's way less exciting than LeVar Burton. I just want the people who are making Jeopardy to know. I, yeah. I, I need you. You went know. with, well, so I'm confused. Like, I don't even know who Mike Richards is. He's just one of the producers of Jeopardy. Well, he's been a producer of game shows for like a decade now. He, he produced. That, that, that makes for him, but that makes him like host material. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. does that mean he has a personality? He's like knowledgeable. Well, I mean, he's he was, he was charismatic. He, he guessed it as the host in the recent, Oh, and I guess people liked him okay? Uh, yeah, liked him enough, you know. Uh, right. I, I don't know how they liked him more than LeVar Burton, but um, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure he has some charm, you know. I'm not going to discount this man, but Trebek and LeVar Burton, you got you got some comparisons that can be made, and I don't know. He, he's going to have to he's gonna have to shine pretty well to keep up for, what, 40 years? Trebek made it? 40, 30 or 40 years as host. Uh, yeah, a long time. Yeah, so if he expects to do that, uh, I don't know. He's going to have to do something because this just seems so boring to me. And it's crazy to think that this show might, you know, try to get a new audience. I, I know that sounds crazy, but they need a new audience because their yeah, audience probably dies die. every couple of <laughs> yeah. years. So it's weird that they would just pick this bland vanilla pick for the newer, older generation. Yeah, and also white people. 
right? It's kind of boring, you know? Yeah, I'm kind of over it. I, I've seen it all my life. <laughs> White man hosting a game show. I get it. I, I get it. I You can literally turn on the game show network and it's every single show. Not not exaggeration. That's every single show. And so, I I don't know. Just yeah, kind, kind, kind of boring. But uh, moving on from that piece of news, uh, I'm going to talk about a new project from a man named Phil Tibbet. He is a stop motion animator who worked on Jurassic Park. Uh, he, I think he did uh, the creature for Star Wars that I really can't think of because I'm trying to right now. Uh, he did stop motion for Star Wars. He did, he's been doing stop motion for like the last 30 years or so. And he is making a new 12 minute horror movie called Mad God. It's got a trailer out. It looks awesome. looks terrifying. And I wish it was long. How can I have a trailer for a 12 minute thing? Because it's literally like two second shots for 30 seconds, you know? Like, I mean, it's, it, I think it's just to build up hype so that he can actually make money from it because it seems like he didn't even want to do this until his people or his friends and family were like, hey, you need right. to do this passion like, project. Yeah. yeah. So I think this man understands that money speaks way more than passion. <laughs> like, right. so, so yeah, that's, that's how you make it true. I just wanted to talk about it because we don't have a lot of news. Uh, moving on to Night of the Animated Dead released its new trailer, and it looks really, really, really cheap. I don't want to say bad, because that's, you know, that's totally subjective and a matter of opinion, but it looks so cheap it hurts. It looks cheaper than a DC animated movie, and those haven't nice. looked that expensive these days. Like, <laughs> it doesn't look like they've put any budget into this at all. They, like, you can check that animation. It's... It's Terrible. rough. It's rough. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And moving on to our last <laughs> bit of news, Bam Margera has filed a lawsuit against Paramount, Johnny Knoxville, and Spike Jones for wrongful termination on the recent Jackass movie. Uh, Variety reports that he was fired for testing positive for Adderall, which violates the contract that he signed back in December, but then Margera claims he's been on Adderall for 10 years, so that shouldn't right, As have... a prescribed medicine, not just on it. <laughs> right, exactly. So that shouldn't just bar him from being in a movie but at the same time he had a drunken meltdown on live streaming which probably doesn't help his case but uh i don't know it just seems like a shit show all around this whole new jackass just seems like a shit show yeah you yeah you can't feel good for anybody in this situation and it's hard to feel bad for anybody in this situation like some people just want to make money some people really everybody just wanted to make money obviously but some people obviously want to do it with friends and I don't think that people don't think that Bam isn't their friend because the just the rich history, but also he's got a lot of issues. But also maybe they're wrongfully using his issues because he's got substance abuse problems where yeah, Steve-O's like been clean for forever now, like eight years or however long. I mean, if this, and you're is, just like, yeah. if this is 100% the story and he really got fired for a prescription drug, then kind yeah, of, I mean, yeah, yeah, then fuck them. Shitty. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's yeah. shitty. So it's... I guess we'll have to wait till the lawsuit finishes and Jackass 4 has already come out and made all the money. But, uh, right. I, so that'll be weird. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's weird overall, whether it be the injuries back in December that two of the, two of the cast right. had, of course. And then Bam's drunken live stream that we talked about now him getting fired. I, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I'm of course, we're probably going to watch it, but, uh, it's just it's just been weird behind the scenes situation overall, and uh, that's the last piece of news. All right, uh, real quick, um, because I saw that it came out or it's coming out tonight at midnight or tomorrow or afternoon at some point. But um, there's a Amazon original TV show, Modern Love. Um, it's based on like the New York Times had like a weekly column, basically okay. uh, about like love stories, and so then. Amazon turned those stories, had people actually write and direct and act and turn those, you know, real life stories into these kind of uh, biopic recreation things. And the first season's great. It's got all kinds of big actors. Uh, Tina Fey, Anne Hathaway, Dev Patel, um, just big people. And so the second season uh, releases tonight and apparently Kit Harrington did an episode. Um, is how I saw the piece of news. But um, yeah, that comes out tonight. So I'll probably be watching that this week because it was really good. Kit Harrington should be in more things. I know he has like personal things and Game of Thrones like ruined his ego or whatever, but he he's he's a good actor. I think he should be in more things, even if Jon Snow wasn't, you know, my favorite character. But uh yeah. Yeah, I like seeing him in that. You say the first season was really good? 
Yeah, the first scene's really good. I mean, not every episode is terrific, but each episode's interesting, and because the the whole premise is that each thing can kind of be its own unique thing, like, each episode has, like, directors that really take it to wildly different places. Like, there's an episode about, um, I think it's the Anne Hathaway one, and she's, like, a bipolar uh, woman who, you know, has traumas and things based on, you know, her perception, and basically, like, she keeps trying to go on dates, but then she'll get, like, in really depressed moods and, like, not leave her bed for weeks. Yeah. And so... Uh, that whole thing is like it's semi musical when she's like manic, and so she's like super happy, and there's random dance numbers, and obviously like people strangers who aren't experiencing the same happy experience she has. Like her perception is that, so they like really make it live and vibrant and flamboyant, and all these crazy colors and things and costume changes. And then she's depressed, and it's like somber, no light. Like she's wearing all gray. Like huh. and it's just really interesting things like that. And each episode is completely different. Death Patel's one's really good as well. Okay. So I mean, um, it's just anthological. Sure. Yep, yep, okay. yep, yep, and it's good. Um, and so yeah, then the new season comes out uh, tonight. But yeah, so we'll move on to albums. Uh, so tonight slash tomorrow, August thirteenth, uh, we've got Boldy James and the Alchemists. Uh, Bo Jackson, Boldy James, uh, is a Detroit rapper, a member of the uh, Griselda Collective. Um, and we got so. Iggy, yeah, <laughs> Iggy Azalea is uh, the end of an era uh, coming out, which. God can only be as terrible as the rest of I her mean, music. You know, I guess we have to talk about it. I, it's not like I, I'm expecting to hate it, but uh, I'm just not expecting to I listen am. to it. So. I have. <laughs> uh, then we have The Killer's uh, Pressure Machine, and uh, Luke Hemmings has an album. Yeah. Who? That's pretty much it, unfortunately. There's not, a, there's not a ton of good stuff. Starting next week, there's a lot of good stuff for like the next month. So just <laughs> stay tuned. Yeah, sit tight. <laughs> You want to move on to what you did this week? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll start with my music because I really didn't listen to much. But I finally went through and listened to Maya, my May, whatever May, her name May, is. Yeah, you know, I think I think it's Maya just because Spanish. But I'm not. Sh- I can't I think there might say be, for certain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But either way, I mean, she only has like six songs, so it's pretty easy. Which to is listen weird. Yeah, to her. I literally just wrote her down because I wanted to talk about uh, that. I I, I I looked her Wikipedia page. Apparently, her dad is a singer-songwriter really known in Venezuela, and he won a Latin Grammy back in, like, 03 or 04. So so she's got, nice. you know, some uh, some talent from, not from her father, but, you know, she's got some talent in the family. Uh, right. And her, her songs are pretty damn good. What'd you think of them? No, they're all good. They're all good. Yeah. I, like I, I, I definitely, it's weird to go back to them just because, what, she releases one song every six months or so. So mm-hmm. it's weird when I tried to go back to her far- first song. I'm just like, I'm not nowhere or, you know, I'm not anywhere near this mood or that I was two years ago. So, but uh, right. I-, I hope she releases an album someday. Yeah. Uh, so I finally caught up and listened to that um, and absolutely adored it. So uh, you put on this uh, Mort Garson thing. I'll let yeah. you talk about it more, but I listened to that. Um, and then Lord put out a new single for the album from next week called uh, Stoned at the Nail Salon. Um, I don't listen to that because I, I assumed we were going to listen to it. So yeah, I don't want to yeah, do I, the Isaiah Rashad thing again. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to um, speak too much on it. But that and the other single has me really, really intrigued and hopeful for what the album will be. It's good. And again, I'm a Lord fan, so I kind of just like her music no matter what. Uh, so then as far as things I watched, um, I have a lot of catching up to do. I didn't quite finish everything, um, but I watched a little bit more of that. Watch the sound Mark Ronson thing I was telling you about. Yep. Um, I watched a little bit more of that uh, McCartney 321 on Hulu with Rick Rubin and Paul McCartney. Um, I've got like one more episode of Dave to finish the finale. I didn't watch yet. Um, Schmigadoo and I've just paused completely and... Uh, what's it called uh head lasso i'm just waiting like i'm just gonna wait till the yep. seasons are done yep. and then do the thing because i can't be asked nope um i can't be asked to remember like i literally just don't remember you know right oh every thursday let me like fuck off no <laughs> well and so then uh i told you a couple weeks ago but disney's monsters at work the uh monsters inc spinoff oh, yeah. did that finish up no it's not done but they're doing weekly things but i've i've been watching that one weekly um and it's actually still pretty. I mean, obviously it's a kids, you know, animation thing. So get yeah, over that. But like, good. yeah, no. But it's uh, well. I mean, but it's not even like as adult as most of the movies have potential to be. Like, there's really no like subtle adult humor for the most part. It's kind of just like yeah. you either like this for it being wholesome family stuff or you don't. Um, 
but I I just love the Monsters Universe, yeah. and so it's totally. it's really good if you like the Monsters. Universe. And the characters look so cool and zany, and the voice acting's always great. The animation's great. So yeah, their monster uh, design was really cool in that universe. So I'm interested mm-hmm. interested to see all the different ones for sure. Yeah, um, so I liked it a lot, um, and I think they're on their seventh episode. Um, so it's worth watching. But then, kind of to the big picture hold stuff. On, hold um, on, hold on for a second. We were just talking about weekly releases, and you were just talking about how this shows for kids. And it's like, why the fuck is a kid's show doing weekly releases? <laughs> what, a, a nine-year-old is going to be like, oh, mom, it's Thursday. Come on. Give me a new monsters. <laughs> okay, okay. It's to, it's, to get them, it's to get them used to it, to build up the uh, You can't do that without, never satisfied. without melting brains with cable anymore. You just can't. Like, sure. All right, yeah, what were you... Uh... What was the last thing? Well, so on HBO, I think it's like the last stuff I have to talk about today. But um, I'll start with I finished the Nick. Yeah. Um, all of it. Completed it. I'm so salty that that show is over. Oh, OK. Well, hold on. To be to be frank, that show, that story is over a period. It was going to be a yeah, new yeah, story. Well, yeah, yeah. you said you said it was going to okay. take up okay. on a new characters and stuff or like, you know, I, I just want to clarify maybe. But it and it ends I guess resolved enough. Yeah. Um, but what a good show, man. It's like, I'm fine that it ended the way it did, but I could totally watch like four more seasons of that. Yeah. I literally had a dream the other week. Cause I think you were talking about it and I had a dream. They renewed it for season three and I woke up. I was like, wait, that show got canceled six years ago. <laughs> Five years ago. <laughs> right. So um, yeah, I, I, I'm in the exact same boat. That show is fantastic. Acting's fantastic. Everything's fantastic. Directing, writing, costume, all of it. So, and then uh, the last thing is, I started, and this is not a weekly release as far as I'm concerned. I think they released all of it up front. I just haven't watched it yet. Um, called Hacks, an HBO original um, series. Um, I'm forgetting the actress's name, but basically the premise is she's like a big 25 year resident uh, comic in Vegas, uh, and she is kind of washed up and they want to fire her. So she comes across this younger comic who's like a writer, primarily not like a stand up. And they kind of butt heads at first, but they form a partnership to like save her career and create the younger girl's career. But it's a, you know, it's an adult comedy uh, and it takes place in Vegas. And so far there's not been anything crazy, crazy, but it's funny. Um, and it's good. Um, it's, and, it, it, and it seemed interesting enough. Like, I, I don't know how it will develop exactly i only watch like two episodes but they're like half hour episodes so it's pretty easy to watch um great but it's interesting enough i I would say give it a shot for the couple episodes and if the premise sticks hopefully the next two will tell me if i'm actually gonna like the show or not because i think it's 10 episode season as well so i still got a bit to watch to like really catch up they're still like introducing characters and you know themes and premises and stuff but it's good. And she's rich, rich, which is always exciting to watch on TV. Like rich, rich people. <laughs> sure. Well, you know, like it's not just a gated community. She's got like, you know, uh, like a fucking soda fountain at her house kind of thing. Hey, like, that'd be cool. Like butlers in every room, like someone waiting in her bed to like fold her bed the second she gets out of it. Like Richie Rich you know? with the McDonald's in his yes. house. Ex- literally that. Yeah, yeah right. she's that rich. So, yeah, I don't know. It's cool. Um, but yeah, that's it. Pretty Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll take over. I watched the first episode of Schmigadoon. I know you just talked about it, or you talked about how you didn't watch it. So, right. uh, I guess so. You know, or I mean, I guess that show's funny. Or I might watch two episodes. I I don't know. That that show's hard. To, it's it's definitely not me. I I feel as though the mood to be in is not easily attainable for someone such as myself. For sure. For sure. It's funny. Um, the leads were great. Uh, uh, Keegan Michael Key and the one woman from SNL who's like the funniest modern cast member, and I just can't remember her name. Uh, yes. God. Her. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> They're both hilarious, but I don't know. I think you really do have to have an appreciation of musicals to really appreciate this show. But Cecily I, Strong. What'd you say your name was? Cecily Strong. Cecily. Yeah, C E C I L Y, Cecily, Cecily. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah, they're they're great. They're fantastic. Uh, and I don't know the the show's whimsical enough that I, I might watch it sometime. Whatever. Uh, moving on, I watched The Hunt on HBO Max, which is the movie about liberal elites 
hunting and killing conservative MAGA people in a Hunger Games kind of situation. And it is so much better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be bad. I thought it was going to be serious. I thought it was going to be unaware of itself. But it is the opposite of all those things. It's, oh man, it, it's satirical to like, to the T, you know, it, it, it's, it balances it well of being self-aware while also just doing this kind of, kind of this just zany movie that you're there for the ride. Uh, it's a little gory, a little gory for some reason. I get they're hunting people, but I don't really understand why it had to be gory because some people might just think that makes it like a horror movie or something, which it's not really. Right. Uh, but really, it's just a comedy, and it's it's pretty fucking funny. That's all I got to say. I would. Definitely it only made $2 million. Well, it got pulled from theaters, remember? No. Because, yeah. It got pulled from theaters because both sides were confused on which like stance it was taking. But after watching the movie, it's not taking a stance. It's just making fun of everything. And that's I, I'm actually kind of it kind of annoys me that it got pulled from theaters because people might have realized that if they went to go watch it. But they decided to just get mad before watching a movie and just watch the trailer and wham. Uh, good movie, good satire, good parody. Uh, moving on to, I watched the... Glenn Howerton and Hilary Swanker in it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My lord. Yeah. Emma uh, Roberts? Yep, yep. I, I, I'm telling you, just watch the movie. Just, like, open a couple beers and watch that movie, and it's hilarious. Uh, I watched that Woodstock 99, Love, Hate, and something, Love, Peace, and mm-hmm. Hate, or something. I, I didn't write the subtitle down. But, uh, yeah, that seemed terrifying. Seemed like a crazy experience. Seemed like people did not plan music festivals well, or the people who love peace this and one. rage. Love peace and rage. Okay, uh, yeah, it just seemed like a bad situation overall. And I can't even imagine. I can't imagine what that lineup and like the atmosphere that lineup brought to the table of just being stranded in a camp with a hundred thousand other people, or yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, you know, just uh, just a bad situation. I'd, I'd definitely watch it though. It's very enlightening. Uh, and then I watched a documentary called Betrayal at Attica, which is about a prison riot and night or 39 people, hostages and prisoners were just shot to death because Jesus. yeah, because white police were mad at the black inmates and the black inmates wanted rights, you know, and actual, uh, what's the word representation and like human rights and stuff. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah, which is so terrible. Uh, yeah, the but worst. They, they got shot, and they killed all the hostages, too. And they tried to blame the hostages' death on the prisoners, but then the coroner was like, no, these guys died from shotgun shells, okay? <laughs> like, very depressing, very depressing movie or documentary, but uh, it's still cool. I, you know, I'd never learned anything about this growing up at all, so it's just nice to learn something for once from something. But uh, that's... Oh, last thing I watched, I finished The Simpsons after two years, two years on and off after a break at season 20 and like another break at season 25. It's finally over and I don't know what to do with myself. Like (laughs) you new man. Have you have you understood the future? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can predict everything now. Uh, But what's funny is I don't know where to restart. Because I'm like, oh, the first season's got, like, rough animation. And I'm like, well, I want to restart on the first season. But it's like, I could restart anywhere, you know? But uh, Why do you want to restart? Just the, I mean, just, like, casual restart. Just, like, background TV now. Now that I've watched it all, I can put it on the background. And I don't know where <laughs> to put it on the background. Just but, do the office like every other person on Earth. I, I don't know. I'm not getting Peacock. And I quit watching The Office years ago. So, moving on to my music, I... Pretty much listen to whatever things I've listened to before, but I put on the playlist Mort Garson's Mother Earth Plantasia, and it is an album that apparently was only given to people who bought houseplants at an L.A. plant store called Mother Earth, or people who bought mattresses at an L.A. division of Sears. And that's the only way you got this vinyl record. So this album was literally lost to time until 2019 when someone made it digital and released on CD and Spotify, yada, yada. It's fucking awesome, okay? It is literally designed for plants to listen to. The whole album is just meant for you to play for your plants. And these plants must have some really good fucking taste, okay? Because (laughs) it's awesome music. It's It's like old school gaming, but 
you kind of got this weird, you know, 70s detective movie, but then there's kind of kung fu, like 80s kung fu movie background music. It's really awesome. Okay, I just, I can't say that enough. Uh, I, I discovered a few months ago, but I listen to it again now, and it's just as good. So, yeah, put that on for your plants, because they deserve it, okay? <laughs> they deserve it. And, uh, yeah, no, that's all I did. Move on to the reviews. Yeah, uh, is there a place you want to start? No, I'm okay. I think I, I can talk about both these things. Uh, let's do the movie first, then. Sure. Save them for a second. But um, so yeah, we reviewed uh, the new Nicolas Cage, Michael Cernoski pig movie. Uh, what else does Michael Cernoski do? I forgot to research that. Could you uh, do that real, yeah, real quick? I'll, I'll, I'll see what the interns can find for us here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kill some looks dead like, air, talking to myself. Looks like uh, Olympia TV show. He did five episodes. Um, Friday Night Legacy TV show. He did three episodes. No movies? He did a short called... Oh, okay, every director does shorts. You don't have to... <laughs> well, no, I'm just looking. Directed by just TV shows, shorts. Weird. Uh, he's got some writing credits on basically all the same things, producing credits and editor credits on all the same things. So yeah, Pigs, I guess, is debut movie. Okay, for sure. I'll say I love movies about food in general, um, yeah. especially movies that are well done yeah, about sure. food. Uh, and I really wasn't sure what the premise was at all. I knew it was about a pig, and I knew it was about Nick Cage, but I didn't know that even it was a truffle pig. I didn't know that it was like an investigative journey or like a, a kidnapping story, really. I had no clue what the premise was. Um, and it actually was surprisingly interesting yeah. and captivating and well shot well oh, acted well shot like mis- i think is such mysterious. an understatement for this movie it's it's weird how well shot everything was because i you know i enjoyed pretty much everything about this movie but just the the cinematography and just the the direction i don't know man it seemed like every single camera shot had some sort of purpose or like was representing something even if it was just him filling up that truck with gas. I don't know. Right. It, it felt like every single shot was telling me something about the story, and that's well, that's crazy. And this this seems like it very much is a um, like a director's movie as opposed to a writer's movie. Oh yeah, because I can imagine that that screenplay is like forty five pages. Yeah, you know, and, boring, and for reference, probably. right? And for reference, it's usually about like a page is a minute of screen time. So. For an hour and a half movie to have 45 pages is like a really short ass script. But I just like there was a lot of no dialogue, just like intense, especially like in the first like 25 minutes. It's like him just living his life with a pig, you know, Um, you're just waiting for it. mm -hmm. And then, you know, he goes to that diner and everything. And all that is pretty much no dialogue until he calls over uh, whatever his name is. Alex Wolf, Nat Wolf, whichever one. I think it's Alex. And yeah, so uh, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, I'm not really exactly sure where we should kick it off, but I just think I I was so pleasantly surprised by yes, it. Thank God. Thank God. Because I'll, I'll start off by saying it subverted my expectations because I don't know whose fault it is. You can blame Liam Neeson or Keanu Reeves, but when I hear someone got kidnapped or someone got taken away, I'm expecting revenge, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you better go get it or something. And I was fully expecting that from this movie. And the more it just unraveled and the more it kind of, even when it um, did the whole underground fighting ring, you know, yeah. like crazy like that, I was still kind of expecting it. But then it said, oh, he's been running it for restaurants. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. But, you know, then it kind of leads on more and more. And you realize this isn't really a revenge story at all, like no. <laughs> whatsoever. It's more well, of a... And- uh, Sense of discovery, even. Yeah. His character's like this, like, I mean, not roughneck, but like ruffian, like just living off on his own in the woods. Yeah. And just like, you know, take, it seems like at least takes no shit from nobody, like really understands himself. You know what I mean? Like just a very secure person. And the whole time, it seems like a Liam Neeson intake in situation. Like this dude's about to fucking burn Portland to the ground to find a pig. And I was like, you know, I can go for that. But he really, he took notes from Mandy on how to be cool, but decided not to go Mandy and seek Inferno and rage and destruction and just went, no, like, and he was, I'm just gonna. He's, and I'll, I'll say to Nick Cage's 
part. I will I will say he was really good at conveying what this man was feeling. Uh Robin, he put on like a ton of weight. I don't that? know. Well, I he looked massive. Just, I think he's just really tall, and then probably later in life he's put on weight, but he did look massive. I'm not sure if there's some sort of suit he, he, involved. He, yeah, he looked like um like a just a slightly skinnier fucking mountain from Game of Thrones. I was yeah. like, this dude looks ginormous. Like you put in the when he's like just taking the punches, like in the fighting That's ring exactly or whatever, he takes off say. that jacket. The you see his back. Yep. Yeah, he looks like got a fucking hunchback. I'm saying, yeah, man. I, I you know I assumed that Cage was tall, but I'm not sure what if there's any camera trickery or you know just set trickery, whatever, to make us think right. even, you know, he was, yeah, he's only six more. foot. I mean, he's tall, but he's not. Fucking... I don't know. Then they did something, man, because he did really pull off that brutish strength or brutish look. Yeah. Uh, and it was the beard. It was like him always like him having the fucking uncleaned, uncapped abrasions on his face. The whole movie. I wonder. <laughs> Just, like, I, constantly bleeding. I think that's such a credit to the makeup department. To keep a consistent scar, because I was looking, man, you know, not intently, but I was looking to see if his scar ever disappeared or if his scar was on the other side of his forehead, because this movie wasn't shot in one day. So they had multiple applications of these scars and how these scars looked throughout the couple days or few days that this story takes place. Uh, Yeah, so they were able to really pull that off. And I I think that's really just a credit to the makeup department or the set department. Because, it, I don't know, that's really impressive to me. Because it didn't seem like there's any continuity error in that very small oh, and, and aspect. It, and it looked, like, it looked like it got progressively worse, like it should have. Like, yeah. he had, like, serious wounds and never did anything about it. And then he was just, like, he was still bleeding at the restaurant, you know? And I was like, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't know, I can man. talk about the flow of this movie. I think this flow was very classic. Uh, I would go so, so far to say I think the flow is very hero or epic, like uh, maybe not, you know, the, not the ideas of grandeur like a hero or not anything like not like Green Knight, where it's almost a, a tale of a hero. But it had that same kind of formula, I guess. No, I would I would say he was a hero. Like the difference between the Green Knight and this would be that his character has already been established. The Green Knight is like. Dev Patel doesn't have a name at all. He's just the son of somebody's, you know, brother. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah. It's it's definitely a journey, for sure. Maybe may a heroic journey, but it's almost it's almost formatted like an epic, like that. Uh, it's like a hero coming out of retirement, right? Yeah, because yeah. his name gets him into all these places, but we know as the audience, he's not been to these places in twenty years or some crazy shit. Yeah, and uh, just just the overall pacing of it, and just how things happen and when they happen, whether it's the the intensity of the climax. Because I, I want to say too much about this movie because I feel like people should go watch this. Oh movie. no, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely worth watching. I don't want to spoil uh, it too much. Yeah, so I'll say the climax, just that intensity that you're waiting for, even though they're the three people aren't talking, like the three main characters or the yeah. characters at the table aren't talking for five minutes straight. I mean, just. You're just looking and you're waiting for that reaction. And it's weird how it it does so well in conveying or adapting well, that emotion or feeling. Alex Wolf didn't even take a bite of the food. That's what surprised me the most. I was like waiting for him to take a bite and like see what, it, you know, because the whole thing is like the parents, like he just basically recreated the parents' dinner, right? right? And I'm just like, wow, like this is clearly so powerful and emotional that this guy can't even eat the damn food. <laughs> like, yeah, I no, mean, no, it was good. It was good. It was, it was there's, cool. There's just a lot of subtleties uh, that just go into this movie, whether it's, I was talking about how everything felt, you know, uh, purposeful. All the shots felt purposeful. Like he had a reason behind it. Um, the scene when they go to the diner the first time and he's looking through the window, but it's all blurry. I mean, if if you look through a diner window, it's not going to be blurry. But because of the camera shot and because of the way they wanted to direct it, they made it so that it felt like Nick Cage almost didn't recognize what was inside the diner or his character was so far away or detached from it that the blurriness just represented that, I don't know, that general fog he probably has over a restaurant or even public places. And that's just, I, I don't know, this movie is, it really subverted everything I thought I was going to um like about it or thought i might get out of it like really well really well i i uh the the as you said the chef aspect it almost reminds me of what food wars does 
It's an anime that yeah, makes, yeah, yeah. it makes fun of shonen, right? But it converts it to food. So I would say this is kind of John Wick, but it converts it to food. Like it just it's a twist on a I would say now a classic formula. And it does it really, really well. I, I don't know I don't know if I had real like any real problems from it. Maybe I didn't think Alex Wolf was that great. Like, I think that could have been any terrible. other actor. It could have been any other actor, but he wasn't. He was better than when he was an old. That's for sure. Oh, 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 okay. Well, here's my issue. I guess he was the only one who I thought this is a character, like a main character, who is actively detracting from the movie by not matching the caliber of every, like the chef um, at that, like whatever eucalyptus restaurant or whatever the fuck it was called. Yes. Yeah. Eurydice. Um, I don't remember the title of the rest. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, well, like he had it like embroidered on his fucking uh, whatever chef's robe. What was that thing called? It's not an apron. Uh, Couldn't tell you. Couldn't t- sorry, chefs out there matter. who might be listening. <laughs> uh, but whatever. It was like embroidered. It doesn't matter. Uh, but that guy, he was like, you could like watch his life flash before his eyes in the thirty seconds he was on the fucking movie. You know what I mean? Like, and he was doing that like creepy like laugh smile thing because. You know, fucking uh, Nicholas Cage's character was just like deconstructing his whole world. Yeah. <laughs> um, and oh, then deconstructing his life, dude, and the dude like literally deconstructed food. dishes. Yeah, fuck? no, it it was all there. It was it all look, there. Oh, he made it seem foreign. He made his own life. Seem, wow, that's even yes. like that's even crazier. No, and I was like, there was like there were all these cool dynamics. Like that little yeah. moment was actually super profound for the what the movie is. A movie about a fucking chasing down a pig. Yeah, and I'm like, and then you have Alex Wolf, who's basically just like his father's cuck, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay. and I just, I don't, I don't like it. I don't know. I was just like, I mean, that I don't is know. There was no way. basis. There was no basis for him needing his daddy's approval. You know, what I mean, we didn't get really backstory, and then there was like that weird moment with the mom, who's not actually dead; she's just brain dead. Yeah, and just on a feeding tube. Yeah, ventilator. Yeah, 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 and I'm just like. Now you just make him seem pathetic. He seems like a little bitch-ass loser, but yeah. he never got transformed. He just was like, you know, like if there was an antagonist in this movie, he felt more like the antagonist. Huh. It's his fault that the pig, pig got kidnapped. It's his fault that his dad's relationship is strained, and it's his fault that he can't deal with his mom. And, you know what I mean? Like, he just, it there's, was just like yeah, a bad rap. Absolutely no evolution in his character. It was, I mean, he did witness the climax, so that might evolve his relationship with his father but right right. and you can assume as a viewer but it was never depicted you know what i mean like the character see i thought it could have been see i don't know why but i it probably would have been like really too hokey but i thought it'd be nice if he got into cooking and then maybe that i thought that's what when he said we made him food and he was like this is our grocery list i was like oh this is gonna be like you know nick cage is gonna be his like uh surrogate father you know I mean, yeah, st- still a great movie. Uh, that I guess that is a uh, a small flaw in it, but I still watchable. Like this, oh no, this for sure, for really sure. good. I, I I don't I don't. I would. I think this actually has a high rewatchability for me. For sure. Um, yeah, I could watch this again. Yeah. Uh, what what would you give it a score wise? Uh, you know, I had eight, but after talking about it, I want to go up to eight five. Yeah, I'll just say eight five seems fair yeah, to me. I want to go up to eight five because like it's really good. I would recommend this to people. Now that I'm just thinking about the actual scenes, I don't know. Even when he describes what's going to happen to Portland, like right. that scene was amazing. And I literally don't want to spoil that scene because I need people to just listen to what Nick Cage is saying and realizing how real that might be here in a while. Right. And that's yeah. just so good. So good. Well, uh, another thing about the fight club scene too, just like similar to the restaurant where he's deconstructed the dude's like, here's a bunch of people who immediately know him based on his name, right? The whole room quiets and everyone knows and the fucking ringleader schmuck who like runs it all understands. Yeah. But we have like no premise of who any of these people are. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And so we're just watching Nick Cage get pummeled by a guy who's clearly enjoying it. And then basically the Edgar dude is also enjoying it. And you know, like there's like no sense of him wanting to slow down. And it's like, he's somehow like, paid his fucking dues all over again. You know what I mean? Like he basically shit on probably every chef in the city because he was so incredible. Yeah. And then he just comes up and leaves and basically, you know, everyone's fighting for territory. And now this is him like repaying his dues for even showing his fucking face again. And it's just like, it's like really interesting how they did it all. I, I thought yeah. it was really 
well done. And, and that whole aspect added like this real, this weird surrealism to the whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. yes, this movie was set in Portland, but it almost felt like its own universe. Yes. Like an oh yeah, that that could have been that could have been like fucking Sin City or something. Yeah, you know? a, yeah, and and that's really cool how they did that because I mean they established yeah. Portland multiple times, but it still felt like a alternate universe, which is, well, it's just really cool. I, yeah, uh, I've been to Portland uh, twice, and there is literally nothing gritty about Port. Like <laughs> I would never ever describe that city as like you know what I mean like like New York City can have multiple personas, but like it could generally be considered as like a rough tough like you know like no no soft people live in the city like right. i don't know that people say that but like portland you can have like a squishy belly and thin you skin sure? and you're fine you yeah sure? <laughs> but this makes it seem like but again I, obviously it's about like a you know they made it seem almost like it's like a drug cartel like a secret yeah, hush hush sure, secret yeah. society thing so i get that that's why it's a lot more gritty but it was super interesting um so yeah eight five let's move on let's I was go to say, what album. we really learned is fuck seattle all right that's what yeah we're... fuck seattle <laughs> fuck seattle that's 8. 5, though. that sounds great to me um so yeah then billy eilish is uh happier than ever um i kind of want to start off yeah we'll yeah i'll say you take the reins uh i want to say i was not expecting anything from this i've never considered myself a billy eilish fan i've never I've dabbled, you know, I've listened to a couple of her songs that were on the radio or whatever from that first album. Yada yada. Ooh, you only listen to the radio ones? Yeah, well, I mean, I just, I just, I never, I never gave it a second thought. And after listening to this album, I fully regret that. Like, I am totally in the wrong there. I really enjoyed this album. I'm just going to get that out of the way first. It was diverse enough that it brought random, or not random things, but different things to the table that I could pick apart but you know it's still cohesive enough that it's in the same theme and it's all thematic and nice and it's almost the same story my whole thought with this was when she was coming out and everyone was blowing her and then she like won whatever the 20 grammys that her and her brother won i was like and i had not listened to her music at this point okay it was complete judgment of a face that i had never you know what i mean just like here's some little girl who's like fucking this like you know the, the edgy kid in high school that we all knew and he or she happens to make music with her brother. That's I'm sure is probably good. But I'm like, are we just overvaluing like uniqueness in pop for uniqueness's sake? And then of course I finally listened to her and I was like, holy shit! Like I get it. Yeah, take and it all. <laughs> if this is the if this is the direction that pop wants to move, like just fucking kill all the other people yeah. that are in pop. <laughs> make up. this make this the the norm because 100% oh my god, sign yeah. me up. I thought this this uh, album was able to be modern when it wanted to be, but also classic almost just old school uh uh uh, i don't know who uh old old solo female singer songwriters like Like uh, britney spears i mean no i'm saying even older older. i'm saying like even like way back like julie uh london or what's her name that one lady you know just it's very provocative of those albums even though it doesn't sound anything like this or like Mm -hmm. those things uh it's able to strike this balance between oh it's it's sort of about a man or uh or someone she cared for maybe an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever but that's it's the, ex-boyfriend for sure okay but at the same time it's like it feels ambiguous enough that i took it or took some of the songs as she was talking to her fan base mm-hmm. and not for sure yeah and so i i i hope i wasn't reading that completely wrong but once i took it as that it even it like elevated the album itself because i was thinking oh wait you could just say these about her fans you could just say all this about her fans or like um Haley's comment you could say oh mm-hmm. her fans never really get to see her you know they like they know billy eilish but they might not know who that is really they just know her music or whatnot her interviews and all that and she explicitly states that in this album i, I don't need to say it again well um I think I talked about it on the podcast, but there was that Apple TV Plus or Disney original exclusive, whatever the fuck, documentary about her. I think it's um, Disney, maybe. Sure. It doesn't really matter one way or the other, but I watched it. Um, and that was I, I released 2020, but it was like basically immediately filmed as they were projecting to release her first album all the way through like her big, you know, multi-nation world tour. Um, and so it followed her when she was like, literally just like a little girl who people knew was going to blow up because she was making this incredible music with her brother, uh, like literally at their parents' house, all the way up until fucking like Justin Bieber, One Direction level of superstardom, like right. overnight. 
Um, and so it's really interesting. And you follow her relationship with her boyfriend who becomes her ex, like during the filming, like those few months. And so I'm sure many of these songs like are directly written from the experience that you can like go watch her live through, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't think you're wrong on most of the themes, at least based on, you know, the public perception that is available for us to conceive of her. Obviously I don't assume that we know all about her, but yeah. And, and even if my perception was a little wrong, it's, you know, it has uh, the song, not my responsibility definitely assured me that it's not not totally wrong right, uh, right. i want to talk specifically about not my responsibility because that's one of the greatest like pieces of music i've listened to in a while and it's not even really? a fucking song like i just want people to realize that it's some fantastic music but it's not a, it's not a song you don't you don't right, she's just talking to it. Yeah, yeah it's literally just her talking but it sets up such ambiance or whatever it's such an atmosphere well, Right, it, it like that's what, you know. I guess like if this is like what modern skits are on albums, sign me up. You know yes, what I mean? Like yes, hundred percent. Yep. Like, and then reusing like, that same background beat in uh, "Overheated" was mm-hmm. just oh man, it was just the cherry on top. That that's just a great way to get me to appreciate both songs even more. You know, because mm-hmm. it's not like you're just throwing away this beat you talked over, but at the same time, this next song isn't just a song over that beat. And uh, yeah, I mean, I really like this album. Maybe it's maybe it's because I wasn't expecting anything or, you know, I didn't know what to expect, but uh, it really blew me away. I liked a lot so, of the songs. I, I was say besides not my responsibility slash overheated, I'll count that as one. What uh, what were some other big ones that you liked? Oh, uh, I didn't put that on my top three. <laughs> really? OK, <laughs> yeah. top, give me yeah. top three. Give me top three. Uh, I didn't change my number. Billy Bossa Nova and Oxytocin. And I really liked I didn't change my number in oxytocin because it's very Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails. And it's hilarious to me to think about that someone will listen to these songs and just get that first hard percussion industrial sound from Billie Eilish. Without, right, right, and never have listened to Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, and that's, that's totally fine. Oh, that's totally fine. I just think that's fucking hilarious. And I can't right. wait because I'm sure millions of people who don't listen to Nine Inch Nails are going to listen to Billie Eilish. So uh, it's nice, though, that she can go into that industrial heavy sounding music. But then at the same time, she goes back and makes Goldwing, which is like this angelic hymnal song that, you know, has that change up in the second half. But that first half is very, you know, know, uh, uh, almost operatic, very hymnal, like I said. Uh, I don't know. She just has a lot of range on this album. Um, One of my favorite things about it was that she released a lot of singles, I think like four singles leading up to this, and only one is actually a song on the album. See, um, and that's, their, to... that's Therefore I Am. Um, no, NDA was a, uh, was a single. Because I remember it? listening to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was on our playlist okay. a few weeks ago or maybe, maybe. a couple months ago. Okay, because I was thinking of... Um, she had like that Everything I Wanted. She had that like Ilo Milo. Um, she had a bunch of stuff that I was in. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, so... Either way, I was like, okay, two songs out of 16, you know, quote unquote spoiled, but I still like Therefore I Am. I don't even think it's a bad song. Yeah, therefore and I, I, I had liked too. it from, from the single. Um, but yeah, for me, my top, um, I liked Overheated. Um, I liked Male Fantasy. Uh, and I also had um, My Future and Oxytocin, but I think Oxytocin of those two, I just really liked. So. Oh, man, Oxytocin's really good. I mean, a lot of these songs are really good. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a bad song on this album there might be now, a song i don't get ready for this listen to so i still and obviously you haven't listened to it so it's hard to say but this is a good album and i like love that she's you know her and phineas for the most part are were able to keep up how prolific and good obviously of artists they are um but you really have to go listen to that first that first I mean, one I, is I like I, it's, it's this sure but will. better because i think Obviously, she just had more to say and more to do, and she had more freedom, I'm sure. And obviously, she wrote this over the course of a pandemic where she probably wasn't experiencing a ton of stuff. But, like, I don't know. There's, like, a lot of reasons why the other one, I think, is personally better. But specifically, if you're cool with there being, like, a broad range of songs and you like the, like, industrial, even, like, sometimes, like, spoken word, like, she's not even really singing stuff. It's more just, like, poetry over music, but good music. Um there's a lot of good songs. And specifically, if you listen to nothing else, even if you choose not to listen to the full album, you should listen to Listen Before I Go. That song is fucking dope. 
I, mean, uh, I, I definitely will. This album has changed my tune completely. I, I don't think I ever badmouthed Billie Eilish, so maybe not changed my tune, but, you know, it, right, it's right, changed right, my Change your perception, for sure. For yeah. sure. Great album. Um, uh, was there a bad song, or was there a song you didn't like? Because um, I don't have any. There were ones I marked, or, like, you know, that I didn't put the like on, but not because they were bad. Or th- like, I don't think Goldwing struck my mind particularly. Like, not because it's bad, just that's not my style of hers that I like the most. Um, I think Your Power, maybe, was the other one. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. your, your Power was the most, like, just generalized poppy sound, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, yeah, I really, really, I think Male Fantasy was my favorite song. It is so sure. good and uh, interesting, obviously, I, perspective that you don't really hear. <laughs> I dig and this At least pop music. Yeah. yeah, it's good. It's yeah, good. It, yeah, if pop could start copying Billie Eilish, I'd be cool with that. Let's just start doing it, guys. Let's get it over with. Let's get rid of whatever we... I don't even know pop artists now. Let's get rid of whatever we have now and uh, start trying to do this because this was experimental when it wanted to be, but, you know, easily digestible. Also, you know, it definitely played that balancing act and played it really well. Uh, I don't know, man. I really like this album, and there's not a ton more for me to say other than recommending people go listen to it. I don't think I have any other notes or any other big notes, do you? What would you go score-wise? Eight, five, maybe a nine. Maybe even a nine. I know I talked about the sacred realm of nine to ten last week, and I, yeah. really, I really think this album might be a nine. All right. I'm down to give it a nine. I mean, I liked it a lot, but... Yeah, yeah it, can, well, it, can, uh... it can break my sacred nine to ten thing. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's give it a nine. YOLO. Nine out of ten. We need to start picking some bad music, okay? No, uh, let's not. <laughs> we had that string of like two months where we were listening to nothing good. Just nothing crazy. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I think that does it for us, though. I don't, I don't have anything else to say about the album, really. Nope. Go, go listen to week. it. Go go listen and watch to both our picks this week because we're on a roll, I guess, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're welcome for finding good things for you to listen to and watch. And we'll see if we are still on that roll on episode 42, where we'll be watching the new movie Free Guy and listening to The Killers' new album Pressure Machine. Hopefully it actually comes out on like certain Drake Every albums other. and certain Kanye albums. Everything we've wanted to listen to. We will see you on episode 42 of The Worst Critics. As always, I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pino. And we're out of here.